Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Trina Turk, the founder of her namesake fashion brand, which this year celebrates its 25th birthday. I wanted to ask Trina about the impact of the last three months on her business and whether she plans to continue some of the traditional fashion practices that are falling out of favor, like selling through department stores. Welcome, Trina. Hi, Jill. Nice to meet you via Zoom. I know. I like it. (laughs) We were talking. You're in L.A. and you are at your office. I am. We came back to work, um, I would say, June 3rd or 4th. I can't even remember now. Um, We had planned to come back on June 1st, but then we had a curfew, so we decided to put it off a few days. Oh, that makes sense. And was everybody, did anybody opt out? Is everybody coming into the office from time? Well, we're being really flexible about it because the LA schools are not in session. Um, You know, actually in the schools, they're not in session. They're doing remote learning. So if people have kids, of course, it makes it really difficult for them to get into the office. So what we're asking people is if they could come in three days, work from home two days, and we are doing that through July, and then we're going to reassess. And so far, it seems like it's it's working out okay. Great. I mean, it kind of debunks some of the things we've been talking about for a while, like is work from home going to be long term? What's going to happen to business clothes? What this whole anyway, I feel like the fact that you're coming back. Maybe things won't change as drastically as we think. Is this a common thing in L.A.? Are a lot of your neighbors there as well? Well, other people who work at apparel companies in L.A., you know, I've heard that there's different, there's varying levels of coming back. Yeah. Um, some people are fully back because technically we're manufacturing. So we fell under this umbrella of manufacturing, which actually opened, you know, was allowed to reopen. I think it was several weeks before we actually came back to the office. So um, I think it just depends on the company. Yes. You know, some people are fully back and, and we're sort of, I would say we're about 75% back. That's progress. And, you know, there's certain things that when you're putting a, a collection, a clothing collection together, there's certain things that you really have to do, like that you can't do remotely. Right. Um, for example, fittings are very difficult to do remotely. So anyway, depending upon the person, some people were thrilled to be back. Some people are not thrilled to be back, but we're all just easing back in. (laughs) Are you wearing sweatpants? Uh, I'm not wearing sweatpants. (laughs) (laughs) The big question. Um, But talk to me about what happened in the last three months, starting in mid-March or so. um, Did you... Really, did you shut down business operations because you were manufacturing? You were able to operate to in, at some capacity. Well, basically, March thirteenth was when everything really started happening in California. Um, that was a Friday. The following Monday, we um, immediately told everybody that we everybody had to take a pay cut. Yeah, and we we said we were going to switch to four days a week. And so everybody took a 20% pay cut, but then that became a moot point because the following Thursday, um, our mayor, Mayor Garcetti declared a shutdown order or, you know, stay at home order in yes. Los Angeles. So it didn't matter whether we were working four days or five days because we were all working from home. Right. So, um, that started on whatever that following <laughs> Thursday was. 
And then, as I said, we, we really came back to work on June 3rd or 4th. Um, so in the meantime, there was, uh, there were a few people, including me who are coming into the, to the studio, uh, just because I, it's much easier for me to do stuff here. And we were doing zoom design meetings. So there, it was good to have somebody in the office to like run around and find stuff so that at least one of us could like show everybody else a garment or show everybody else a swatch of fabric or a print or a color or whatever. So yeah. that we could kind of keep the ball rolling. Uh, we had different people from our design team having things sent to their homes. So, <laughs> for example, our textile designer was having all of the print strike-offs sent to her home. The textile research and development person was having the swatches sent to her home. And then, um, there, I mean, we have a we have a fairly large building and there was maybe five people here. So we weren't really worried about social distancing because yeah. the team, you know, there was hardly anybody here. So yeah. How large is your team overall? Well, I mean, this is the thing. It was about 150 people, but the, as soon as the shutdown order was issued, we had to lay off about 75% of our team. Wow. So, um, it was really kind of a no choice type situation. Um, our main focus was just trying to stay in business and with all of our stores closed, all of our wholesale customers canceling orders, you know, the writing was on the wall. It was like, yeah. we were not going to be able to maintain that entire staff. So some of the, some of those people have come back, but to be honest, I really do not think we're going to hire back everybody who we had to lay off. Yeah, definitely. What was kind of the skeleton crew or what kind of folks did have to stay around? Um, they were essential to keeping the business afloat. Well, our CEO, um, she was coming in just because there were so many things to deal with. I mean, we were trying to get out of rent with with our stores and our showrooms. You know, we were trying to make sure that we were doing everything right in terms of um, layoff and helping people apply for unemployment. We were trying to get the PPE loans, which, of course, right. we did not qualify for. So there was a lot of administrative work that was going on that she was really dealing with that. Um and our e-commerce, we continued to ship e-com orders because that was sort of our only source of income at that time. Yeah. Um, it was, it was by no means enough to really keep the entire infrastructure that we had had previously going. But, um, even though I think technically we probably were not supposed to be shipping e-com orders, we did it anyway. We had two people do what in you our warehouse. Do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had two people in our warehouse. They continued to ship. Um, you know, we felt like if we didn't do that, then there was we were we would be certain to go out of business or at yes. least go into bankruptcy. So at least we did that. And um, as I said, it, it was it was something yes. better than nothing. Yes. Prior to all of this, prior to March, what percentage of sales were your um, e-com direct to consumer through your through your website? Oh, that's a good question. I guess I would say it was probably 15%. Yeah. Yeah, about Definitely. 15%. Because, you know, we still, our, our wholesale business is still, still pretty large. I mean, we do a lot of business with department stores and a lot of little specialty boutiques as well. And then we have our own stores. Um, so, yeah, that, all the stores were not happening. Yes. Talk to me about relationship, relationships going forward. Um, 
those canceled orders? Do you want to go back to those stores? Are there hard feelings? Are you kind of, what, What's the next step? Well, I think the only way to go forward is to try and just work it out yeah. as a partnership with your customers. Um, you know, since this all happened, Neiman's, which is one of our larger customers, has just declared bankruptcy. You know, we have we have orders on order for them, and it becomes a matter of you know getting approval to ship. Yeah. Um, of course, the orders are factored, and so we can't ship unless the factor approves them. So you know, it's I mean, they're really not going to start accepting anything until August. So right for right now, we don't really even need to worry about it. But come August, we did make fall merchandise for them. And we're hoping that we're going to be able to get approval so that we can ship it. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, excess inventory sitting yes. in our warehouse, which we do not want. We already, yeah. we, we luckily were able to cancel quite a bit of our summer orders. Um, we pretty much canceled our entire pre-fall production. Great. And um, we cut back on fall. But even with all of those cutbacks, just because we have, you know, nine stores sitting there closed, we have a lot of spring and summer merchandise that didn't have the opportunity to sell during the time we were shut. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's a lot. It's a lot to sort of like navigate. Yes. I keep hearing about this inventory problem. Did, did you have large sales on your website? What is that going to go to outlets? What is going to happen with that? Well, I mean, the main thing is that we have, we have done some promotions on our website, but we're trying not to get carried away because yeah. I think that that is sort of, you know, the, it's similar to me. What's happening is very similar to what happened in 2008. At the end of 2008, there was massive discounting. And I think that that, you know, although it was necessary to just like clear inventory, it ended up really kind of hurting the industry because it trained customers to you know, never buy anything or to wait and yeah. try not to buy anything at full price, which is not really you know, how everybody's pricing is set up. So I think that that what happened at the end of 2008 and early 2009 was really bad for the industry. And, you know, I can see the same thing happening again now, but, you know, sooner or later, you have to figure out how to get rid of this merchandise because it's not something that gets better with age. Yes. Talk about your relationship with these specialty stores, because I, I kind of hear that it's like a secret I don't know, secret sauce. Like a, a lot of brands don't work with specialty stores and those that do see, see great success. I'm not sure. What, what's your, been your relationship well, so far? We How have, many are there? We have a pretty, we have a pretty good network of um, small specialty boutiques. Mostly I would say in the Sunbelt part of the country. Okay. Actually, I, I should say the Southeast, the Southern part of the country, all the way across, um, you know, through Texas. And I think that the specialty store business has been healthier in that part of the country, at least in the type of merchandise that we do, which is very yeah. much about print and color. And we have really great relationships with some of those stores. Some of those stores have been buying the collection, you know, for 20 years yeah. and they have very close relationships with their clients, which I think is why they are successful. 
Um, you know, right now, anybody can order anything online. So the only reason that you want to go into a store is if it's fun to go into a store yes. or you know somebody there or they know what's in your wardrobe already and they know what you're missing. So I think that those kind of client relationships are really the most important thing. And, and, and they are what have kept some of these specialty boutiques going. So, um, so our relationships with the, with our boutiques are that we want to work it out. Like if they had to cancel orders from us for spring, you know, it's like we canceled fabric orders. It sort of just goes down the line. So, you know, if they can't, if they had to cancel their spring order, it's not like we don't understand why, um, but we just want to figure out how they can take their future orders. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a case by case thing. It's a lot of individual, um, you know, negotiation with our, our account execs working with these stores and just figuring out how we can come to some kind of agreement that works for both of us. You know, both of us are going to have to take a hit on some level, but we want it to hopefully be distributed so that they can handle it and we can handle it. Yes. Your own stores. Did you say that there are nine? Yes. Yes. Were you planning to open more? Have you had nine for a while? Well, we actually have had more than nine stores. Um, we, as leases have been, as leases have been running out, we've been closing stores. Um, there's some, there's a few of our stores that are amazing and we would never want to close them. For example, we have a, a store in um, Dallas at Highland Park Village. Um, we have a flagship store in Palm Springs, California. Great. Both of those stores are really great. Um, but, you know, the truth of the matter is it's becoming harder and harder to lure people into, I would say, particularly malls, yeah. particularly enclosed malls. Yep. And so those are the stores that we that we see sort of underperforming just generally. And um, so, you know, we're we're putting some attention on our our e-com just like everybody else is. Yes. Coming out of all of this, ideally, what percentage of your sales would be on your own site? Oh, well, I mean, I would I would say 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or if not more. I mean, I think that this whole thing, I mean, we're still in it for sure. But we are, you know, trying to figure out. It's clear that people, if they weren't shopping online prior to this whole thing, they are shopping online now. And so, you know, I don't think we're alone in really examining like how we can kind of pivot our business to be much more e-com focused. Yes. I saw that you were your virtual sessions or virtual styling. Was that something new that was launched during quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're experimenting with all different things, just like yeah. uh, different ways of selling, just like everybody else. So um, in the stores that were open, you know, particularly in Dallas and Palm Springs, those stores I mentioned, where we have a really great, robust client list, uh, the the sales associates in the stores were, you know, video conferencing with clients. And particularly in Palm Springs, we have a lot of people who are in Palm Springs during the season, which is essentially the winter. But at this time of year, you know, they're back wherever they their primary residence is. And so there's a lot of charge and send business done anyway. But I guess that now, you know, we're just adding the layer of actually videoing, whether it's FaceTime or Zoom or however we're doing it. Yeah, they're taking to it. You're promoting it on social. What's going down? 
You know what? I actually should have checked on that before That's I okay. did this conversation. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what's going on. I mean, I think I would imagine, I mean, like, for example, what I was talking about in Palm Springs, where we're doing a lot of clienteling anyway with people who are not in Palm Springs. Yeah. I would imagine that, you know, the business that we were doing last year was primarily just over the phone. Um, it seems like it would only be better if they could show if they were talking on FaceTime or Zooming with clients. I would like that. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's that same thing that I was talking about where if the client and the sales associate know each other and have some kind of like idea of what looks good on this client's body type, you know, then I think you could really, you could really do a great job with it. Yes, for sure. So you, you are definitely, you've always been part of the fashion calendar. I just, I know I always see your collections uh, on Vogue collections when they roll out the fall 2020 collections or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you plan to kind of stick to that schedule, um, roll out your lookbook as usual? Is that going to stick? Well, actually, you know, that's something we're talking about right now because we are working madly on spring 2021. And so the question is, is, you know, are we going to do the big photo shoot for the Vogue, you know, Vogue.com looks? Um, you know, when I think back to last year, we shot our spring collection in August. We shot it on the beach. You know, we had a huge crew. There was probably 30 people there. Oh, Models, wow. hair, makeup, styling, video, you know, photo assistants, prop stylist, you know, like this whole thing. The life. And <laughs> even though, even though it was on the beach and it was outdoors, the thing about it is that, you know, how do you do a group like that? Like, yeah, it's kind of like right now, it doesn't really seem like a great idea. So yes, we could pair it back and do something more simple and try and work with the smaller crew. Um, so, you know, we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Um, it takes a village to make right. these pictures. And so, you know, we had like these giant pieces of fabric blowing in the wind and oh, all these fun. people running around with this fabric that was sort of creating the backdrops for the models. And so, you know, it's kind of like, we just have to sort of scale back on, what we're thinking about doing to shoot this collection just because we really can't have that many people. Right. Did you um, move to kind of more homemade photography um, over the last three months? Uh, what were you doing to kind of keep that content flowing? Well, we really worked those pictures that we had shot on the beach last August. Yeah. I mean, we, we utilized those images and, you know, the outtakes and every variation much more. Um, we did do some things where we sent um, merchandise to um, bloggers or influencers that we have a relationship with, and then they just shot stuff on their own. Nice. Um, we started shooting garments on hangers and on mannequins and, yes. you know, doing a lot of stuff, like a lot more flat lays, things that we weren't really focusing that much attention on before. I mean, we would do them, but it wasn't really it wasn't something that we were, we were focused on. And then it became like, well, we really need a picture of this garment. And so it, we started to mix in, um, you know, on our website scroll, you know, now there's, there are some photos mixed in where there's a garment on the hanger that might be the first view as opposed to the garment on a model. So yeah. Let's talk about the evolution of the industry, especially as it pertains today. I think 25 years ago, probably 
maybe being loud and proud about your values wasn't <laughs> even accepted, let alone a, a thing. Um, but I know that you've been vocal lately. And tell me if this has been over the last couple of years, maybe you've supported Pride, you've had maybe a campaign on your Instagram. Um, yes. Yeah, I think you came out and did you come out and make a statement with Black Lives Matter in the last couple of weeks? But anyway, talk about um, being more vocal about your values. Has that changed in the, la in the last 25 years? Um, I guess I would say it's changed in the last, you know, five years. I yeah. think that we've all, pride has always been something that we have been involved in as a company. Um, more recently, I would say since the pandemic, we started doing philanthropy Fridays just nice. because there were so many, there were so many organizations that needed funding. So that was just kind of through our email blasts we were donating a portion of our web sales to a particular philanthropy or a particular organization um, on Fridays. And then when the whole thing happened with George Floyd, um, we did make a statement about it. And now it becomes a thing of like, how do we really put those ideas into action? Yep. You know, I would love to say that we, you know, are on a campaign to hire more people of color. But I have to be honest and say that we're not hiring anybody right now. Right. And so I think that that's something that we have to focus on for the future. Yeah. Um, you know, we just laid off 75% of our employees. So, but I, I think in terms of casting, you know, we've always actually preferred a very multiracial look. And I think when you look at our Instagram feed or our website, you can see that um, in both the men's and the women's. Um, I think that we're really reflecting Los Angeles, which is a very multicultural place. I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm, my mother is Japanese, so I'm biracial myself. And, um, you know, I just think that living in Los Angeles, you just, I think that we're so used to diversity that right. we don't really realize how other parts of the country may not be as diverse. Like for me, it, it seems really, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not racism here, but right. I guess I just think that our through the company, I think that we just try to reflect the city of Los Angeles. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Is your, did your customer, um, on Instagram, your followers, um, did they really like demand that you make a statement? Were they asking your thoughts about it? Are they, do you have that conversation with them on social media? There were definitely, you know, we basically, you know, made a statement about our support for Black Lives Matter. And, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of conversation on the feed about it, you know, for everything from people supporting to people um, saying stick to fashion, um, which we oh, had wow. that before. Like if we if we sort of tiptoe into anything even remotely political. Um, we, d we definitely do get that pushback. I mean, you know, so back during the last election, um, we posted a couple pictures of Hillary Clinton and we didn't, we, we posted pictures of Hillary Clinton and said, vote. We didn't necessarily say vote for Hillary Clinton, but it was implied. Right. And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, you know, stick to fashion kind of comments and a lot, a lot of comments that were much uglier than that too which I think were just kind of internet trolls. Oh, yes. There are a lot of I those. mean, you know, <laughs> if you post an opinion, you're bound to get some kind of feedback. So Yeah. Got to have a 
tough skin, I guess, with social media. It's crazy. Um, talk to me about your your customer. Over 25 years, has she grown up with you? Has she? Have you uh, started to appeal to Gen Z? Is she changing? Who is she? Well, I would say that she has grown up with us to a certain extent. I think that our core customer is between like 35 and 55. Um, our, we do skew younger in our swimwear. Um, the swimwear, I think, appeals to a younger customer in addition to, I mean, we still, have, we still, it still covers that same demographic, but I feel like there's younger women who are buying the swimwear. Um, when I'm in the stores, which hasn't been for a while, but, <laughs> um, the one thing I do see occasionally, which I actually really like is when moms and daughters are shopping together. Cute. And I guess I think if they can both find something that they like, then we've done our job correctly. Yeah. You know, we really focus on just doing things that are optimistic and flattering. Um, uh, It's not fast fashion. It's sort of the opposite of fast fashion. We want it to be something that, you know, stays in your closet when you clean out your closet. Yeah. Or at least (laughs) or at least you would give it to somebody or consign it or, you know, as opposed to throwing it in the trash. Yeah. We're trying, we're trying to make things that last a little bit better. So <laughs> I would start a little bit longer. So I would say that, you know, demographically it's pretty broad. Um, but our, you know, I think our oldest customers have been with us for 25 years and our youngest customers are likely to be swimwear customers. Yes. Talk a little bit about the contemporary market. Do you consider you, you yourself, your brand being in the contemporary space? And I feel like that's changed quite dramatically, drastically over the last couple of years. I remember I always bring up my St. Louis days, but I used to be a stylist in St. Louis and I would go to Neiman Marcus and the contemporary section was like Trina Turk and Millie <laughs> and... Nanette Lapour. And anyway, just all, I just know you, there was this section. I feel like it's totally evolved. But do you, when when there's the discussion about the contemporary market getting squeezed, um, do you feel the squeeze? I mean, I think that the whole industry is being squeezed because of uh, so many different things. I mean, I think that just the whole department store model, you know, is completely different than it was. I mean, when I think about how business was 25 years ago compared to how business is now, it's really not even the same business. Yeah. Um, yeah. The contemporary landscape has changed a lot. I think that brands have shifted. Um, and, you know, I think that when I started the company, LA was sort of um, a lot of contemporary companies were starting in LA in the mid nineties. And, you know, I was kind of riding that wave. Um, Some of those companies are no longer with us, the ones that started at the same time that I started. But, you know, of course, there's new ones that have come in. Um, Yeah, I think that I think it's just completely different. I do think that um, fast fashion sort of coming to the United States over the last 25 years did make a really big difference. But now I think that people are sort of like, like the pendulum is swinging the other way. And people are thinking about things that last a little bit longer, and maybe are a little bit more expensive, but at least you don't get sick of them or throw them away. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's all these conversations about sustainability. um, And for us, I guess, you know, sustainability means that 
it's a, you're making a garment that's going to last. Yep. You know, our industry, our industry is, um, has a lot of work to do in terms of sustainability, just because creating fabric itself is a very, very polluting process. So I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of fabric technology going on and that affects all of us. I mean, I guess in terms of messaging, um, contemporary, you know, I think that sustainability is something that's coming into the conversation. And, and I think it's super important because, yeah. you know, there's, there's probably, I, I think it's safe to say there's too many clothes, clothes out there. Yes. Do you want to do you want to help um, cut down your collections at all? Cut down uh, the number of yeah the number of collections and also the styles within collections. Cut down in that in that way. Yes, we're definitely doing that. I mean, that's that's something we were talking about before the pandemic, and you know, since the pandemic, it's been pretty much like we have to do it yeah. because we don't predict we don't we're not projecting that people are going to buy as much as they bought last year, and we don't need to make as many styles. And, you know, we probably didn't need to make as many styles for a while. And we've been trying to pare down, pare down, pare down. But it's interesting, like when you have a pretty well-developed wholesale business um, and your own business, it's interesting that sometimes what the department stores sell and what we sell is not the same thing. So you end up creating more styles because of that. And, you know, in a perfect world, Everybody would want the same style. <laughs> unfortunately, that's not how it works. Right. Would you say your range of categories that you've kind of built up over the years, did that in any way help kind of safeguard the brand, the company during this time? Like maybe people were shopping home decor more or they were shopping, they had their hands in other things other than an outfit that you would wear to go out. Right. I mean, I, I, I do think that, having um an identifiable brand identity yeah has been really important i mean that's what allowed us to expand into other categories like swim or home so so yeah i think that's important but you know our core business is ready to wear and dress yeah. Um, so, you know, going forward to next year, we are skewing a little bit more casual. Um, and, you know, we might still have those kind of dressy occasion type things, but uh, we are doing, we're sort of, de- we've decided that we're going to do fewer of those things. Got it. And we are going to do just some easier fabrications and yeah. easier fits and kind of skew a little bit more casual, just generally, in addition to having a smaller collection. Yes. Have you been out there more, maybe on social media, um, showing your face more as the official Trina Turk? <laughs> um, I haven't necessarily. Um, you know, I guess I would say every once in a while, yeah. I might show up on our Instagram feed, but we haven't really been making an effort to do that. Yeah. Um, I have I have noticed that other people are, are doing that. Um, I haven't been doing that. <laughs> You're like, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, that can become a full-time job. Absolutely. Especially like at a time when we have fewer people working here and I and everybody's wearing multiple hats. Um, the idea that I would be posting my outfit of the day, you know, I guess it's possible, but 
for me, it's not really a priority. Like there's so much stuff going on right now. And there's so many big decisions that we're having to make about how we go forward that, um, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, it, it, it could, you can't, it's turn a lot it into a full-time job. Absolutely. Last question as we kind of, like we said, move forward kind of to a streamlined, smarter brand, I guess. Um, what are any other changes we didn't talk about? Obviously, yeah, bringing more sales onto your site. Ooh. Anyway, any any other plans to for doing that um, in terms of shift in marketing spend? Have you always um, – is digital where it's at in terms of marketing right now? Instagram, Facebook? Well, Or it yes. was where it was. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're spending on marketing right now. Well, we're spending we're spending much less than yeah. we were prior to this whole thing happening, prior to the shutdown. Uh, but what we've noticed is that um, our our e-com sales are up over last year. Oh, great! Um, it doesn't make up for you know everything else, but they are they are up in a pretty decent way. So, but we have reduced the marketing spend. So I think that that's super interesting. Um, I am by no means an expert on, you know, e-commerce marketing, but um, it does make us curious about what happens if we increase the spend now. Um, so that's something that we're in the process of doing. Okay. Great. I mean, in terms of, in terms of other marketing, you know, we're, we cut everything way back. Um, we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of events planned that were around the 25th anniversary of the company yeah um many of them were happening in late march and early april so that all got canceled worst timing ever (laughs) yeah yeah uh you know it remains to be seen whether any of those events could happen in the fall i guess at this point i'm sort of a little skeptical that they would be able to happen in the fall yeah um we're we're doing a book that was um also a 25th anniversary book just to kind of like recap what we've been doing for the last 25 years. Very cool. Um, there was a lot of plans for book launch parties in the fall. Um, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, it's probably, it's, I, I would say if we do anything, you know, it's going to be greatly scaled back from what we had planned. We were going to do one in New York. We were going to do yeah. one in Palm Springs, you know, it's totally. It doesn't seem like that's happening. Yes. Do you think that the in-store experience, your approach will will drastically change other than events? I've been hearing it's kind of one or the other. People want convenience. They want kind of purposeful stops into stores. They know what they're going for. They take it and they go. Or I also hear that brands are wanting to set the stage for something better than e-commerce, but it's kind of like a fine balance. To what extent do people want to hang out there? What's your take? Well, I don't think that I really don't think people want to go to store events right now. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on the customer. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think it depended on the customer in terms of who was the who pop in and pop out kind of customer and who was the I'm going to try on everything in the store kind That's of a customer. good point. So yeah. I think it really just depends on the person. Um, you know, we have clients who will who will be in the dressing room for two hours and try stuff on. Um, so, so I don't know how they're feeling right now, but (laughs) I think that if, to me, it seems like as long as the store was not crowded, they would still want to do that. I think it's a personality thing more than a trend of the industry thing. 
Yep. That makes sense. Last question. I keep saying that, but for real, 25 more years of Trina Turk. <laughs> where do you see yourself? Where do you see it headed? If you had to kind of make a prediction, let's say short term in five years, where will the brand be? I think that we might be, um, well, we'll definitely be focused on e-commerce. Yep. And I think that we might, I guess from a design standpoint, I think that we would want to just focus in on what is really driving our e-com business, which means we would be doing what our own direct-to-consumer customer is interested in instead of kind of doing a lot of different things for a lot of different people um, or a lot of different customers. You know, I think that the main the main focus of what the brand is about is print, color, resort, California lifestyle. Um, and so I guess I would say we would be, we want, I think that we would want to do more of all of the above yes. and just make, make Trina Turk more Trina Turk. Yes. You do you, Trina Turk. You screw yeah. those other guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. This was so fun. Thank you, Trina, for being here. Thanks, Dylan. Nice talking to you. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.